0: Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us back here on Bikes and Big Ideas on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm David Golay, the bike editor at Blister and host of the show, and you can check out everything we are doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. I'm joined this week by Katie Winton, who's making her return to the show to talk about everything that followed her whirlwind 2021 season, where she put together her own private year race program on short notice and had what looked from the outside like a very successful season of doing so but then two races into the 2022 season she reached a point of being burned out and unable to continue and made the brave and frankly just very commendable call to pull the plug and step away to get her mental health back to where it needed to be to keep going and racing at the top end of the enduro race circuit as she had been for the better part of a decade going into that point. And this has been an episode that I've been excited to do for quite a while because, to be totally honest, I've had some struggles with my own mental health over the last bit. And Katie, I think, does a really good job here of just being vulnerable about where she was coming from and communicating the importance of taking care of one's own mental health and not just glorifying the place that one's in racing bikes for a living and the toll that that can take and she talks about it really well and I just am very grateful to her for being vulnerable and sharing her story here and think this is a really good and really important episode so i sure enjoyed the conversation i hope you take something away from it too and well let's get right to my chat with katie winton well katie great to sit down and chat again it's been a couple of years now since you were last on the show and well i think it's fair to say good bits happened since then and your world and the bike world generally and a whole lot of stuff's been coming up so just looking forward to having a bit of a chat about everything that's been going on and what you've been up to and kind of running down all that here so how are you doing and where are you today
1: yeah thank you very much for having me back um i'm just at home in scotland And I'm doing pretty good today, actually. The sun came out, (laughs) so (laughs) simple things. So it's been actually a nice wintry day rather than a miserable wintry day. So that's always, always makes me happy. Are you all right?
0: Yeah. Can't complain about that. Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, Pretty gray and rainy over here, but uh, had a massive ride out yesterday, actually, which was Great and a little tired, but, you know, in a good way. Sunday fun day. So doing well. Uh, Yeah, indeed. Um, Yeah. Kind of pretty, pretty full day out and with some good folks had a really good time. So that was excellent. And well, I guess, I mean, kind of the place to start, I suppose, is that a couple of races into the 2022 EWS season, uh, as I'm sure a lot of folks listening know, you just reached a point of being burned out and realizing that things were not working and that you weren't in a place to keep going on with the race season and I think made the commendable and you know brave step to step back and get things back in order before trying to just force your way through it and i guess would just love to start off hearing from your perspective and your words on it kind of what happened and when you realized that it was time to just take a step back and give yourself the time and space that you needed to sort things out
1: yeah it was kind of a bit of a build up to the point where i actually pulled the pin and um, i hadn't been doing good for like i i'd been battling for a few years, but then by the twenty twenty two, I was really hitting a hard, hard spot, and things were not getting better. But often for me, doesn't matter what's going on in life. When I race, it kind of resets me because it's what I love doing, and uh, I just I love performing and I love putting everything into something. Um, but that didn't happen. I made sure I wanted to try it even though I kind of knew in probably April I was a bit like well I don't know I don't know if I'm going to be okay to race but like I say usually racing resets me so I was like right we're just going to crack on into this and see how it goes but yeah we did two races and it was horrendous <laughs> it was absolutely horrendous um and when I because I didn't understand what was going on it was hard to I was with a brand new team, with a group of people I didn't know and who didn't know me. So it was, I was going through sort of a a really hard thing without having a solid support network around me immediately because there was all these new people. We're all just sort of getting to know each other and I'm just going, oh my gosh, this is not good. I'm not good. I'm not okay to be here and be doing this. (laughs) <laughs> I know I've just got this team that's just like, um we we're meeting you for the first time. What is wrong with you? <laughs> um, and then it was at the second race on the the final stage and I am a very determined person and give everything a hundred percent and I was down coming down that stage and I just went, This is it. I, like I can't do this anymore and i literally gave up and I, that is like unheard of in all of my life like my whole thing with racing is like it's not over till the finish line you give everything till the very last moment because you never know what could happen and I, I gave up and i just rode down the hill and it was the most horrendous feeling of my life because i was just like this is not me i'm here to do a job i can't even do my job but this is not good so yeah well, it was kind of just it because I I just rode down that stage and then <laughs> I rode down that stage and was like, right, I've hit the finish line and I need to get out of here. And then they asked me for doping control, and I was like, are you kidding? I came like twenty fourth or something. Like, what on earth? whatever I'm taking isn't working clearly why are you why are you drug testing me anyway I was just like oh this is the last thing I need I really just want to get out of here but I've got to go and do this doping control and I was just in bits and in pieces I had to go and sit and do do this whole thing and then after that um Went through a bit of a process for a few days, speaking with my mental performance coach, talking with my team manager um, and my physical performance coach. We all had a meeting and discussed the situation together as a team. Um, And just figured out the best case scenario was just to pull the pin on Kennet's eye, which was the round the following weekend um, and then make a plan from there. And then it became pretty obvious to me that If I was to actually recover, I needed to take racing off the table for the rest of the season because I wouldn't be able to relax if I knew I had to come back and perform because I'd want to be preparing properly and appropriately to do the job properly. So we pulled the pin on the remainder of the season, allowed myself to have a proper break and then rebuild from the ground up basically in the same way that anybody that's had a major injury within sport that's what you have to do you rest and recover and then you build back from the ground up total overhaul of everything and and rebuild on every in every aspect of yourself as an athlete physically mentally all of that
0: yeah and that makes a lot of sense that you reach this point just where you're burned out and overwhelmed and it's just, it becomes really hard to keep all the plates spinning and you can't kind of halfway do it. You just need to go for that full reset. And how hard was it to really sort of make that call and have those conversations with the people around you that you needed to bring up to speed on that. Because as you said, you're with a new team and just don't have the same set of established relationships that you might if you'd been in the same place for longer. And did that make it harder to make that call to, to step back or was it just so clearly time that it kind of didn't matter? You just had to do what you had to do.
1: Yeah. In all honesty, there was no other option. Like I would, like if GT turned around and gone, well, you know, we can't support you if you're not going to race. I would have been like, that's fine because I can't race. I'm not racing right now. This is not me. I'm not okay. And this is my health that is being severely affected by this and I can't carry on. Like I actually can't race. Like this is it. So like that, that was so clear in my mind. This was the only way forward. If I wanted to come back and, and perform it in a way that I know I can this was the only way to do it what was hard you know the people that I was making the decision with and the people above me within GT and stuff like that totally understood totally supportive all made sense what was really hard was when I was with the team on the ground because essentially I'm surrounded by strangers that I hardly know and have to tell them I yeah hey guys I'm not actually going to be racing this weekend and I'm not okay oh what's wrong at that point it was really hard to articulate I was just like I don't really know this is not I just know I'm not going to be racing this weekend and I'm going to have to go and figure some stuff out but to have you know it's one thing to be vulnerable on a camera or anything like that but when you are vulnerable to people and you have to actually you know say say what's going on that's that that's real vulnerability and it was Horrendous because I couldn't explain myself at that point. It was too soon, too fresh, and I didn't understand fully what was going on either. So it was pretty, yeah, uh, it was horrible. You can put a post out on social media and be like, "Yeah, sweet, this is what's happening." See you, bye. But you don't have to deal with the reaction of anybody because it's just pushed out there. Whereas I'm dealing with, I was dealing with the reaction of people that I don't really know, telling them something that I don't even understand. Like it was, oh, horrendous.
0: Yeah, that sounds incredibly hard having to not only make this difficult call and step back from doing the thing that sort of been such a huge piece of what you do and your identity for so long. And then having to attempt to justify it to the world when you probably haven't fully gotten your head around it yourself and, um, that seems just incredibly difficult
1: i know and and it's like if if i had like snapped my back or like broken my leg or injured injured myself in any way it wouldn't even be a thing that's what frustrated me i was like i wouldn't have to explain this people would be like oh yeah sweet cool go get yourself better <laughs> but because it's like psycho psychological people are just like they don't understand it and i don't expect everybody to understand it but we also don't even have any form of compassion sometimes being like you, you, people like i feel like we're we're on our way to being a more compassion, compassionate society but there's still a lot of people that judge that judge oh you're, you're weak you're this you're that and I, i've never had to be more strong in my life to make that call and it was horrible it was horrible
0: Yeah. I think that's a really good point that somehow when there's not the obvious physical manifestation of what's wrong, you know, a broken bone or whatever it might be, it, I think it's harder to sort of put your finger on the exact place that the problem lies and the shape of it exactly. And because of that, it's just harder for people to really understand what the problem really is and what it looks like and the importance of addressing it. And um, yeah, that, that very much makes sense. And I mean, you sort of talked there about just, well, kind of all that, but what was the reaction from, the public and people on social media and what have you like. I mean, it's obviously a a difficult and scary thing to just open up and be vulnerable and put that out into the world in the first place. But then, I mean, did you even pay attention to it or was it something where you were just like, I have to say this and then go quiet for a bit to protect myself from it in a way, or how did, how did you handle all of that?
1: Um. Well, first of all, because I wasn't going to be racing in Cairns, I needed to say something. Um, so I kept it really vague. Um, I'm really over the top with my social media in terms of being pretty rigorous about how I say things so that they can't be misconstrued, make sure to be as clear as possible so there's no ambiguity that this is the thing that's going on, da-da-da. So although that was vague, there was enough there that I didn't get any kickback. Certainly not... <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> you know, people say whatever they're gonna say in their own circles and things, but in terms of comments and stuff like that, I'm very lucky that my following is a pretty kind bunch and very supportive. So um yeah, the initial post was fine, but then the, the tricky part was like like I I am very open and honest as possible with on my platform because I believe that um, I can try and help people because I have got this big platform like trying to share that experience because you never know who might be feeling similar and being like oh right okay so this person that looks like they have everything is actually a human yes I am (laughs) but then it was like right how do I tell the story because it's not like it's like the off season where you can kind of hide and get your stuff sorted it's like it's the middle of the race season like you kind of need to say something about what's going on so um once i was ready i tried to put together posts and sort of updating sort of the journey back of like okay this is what's happened this is the way i've been feeling and this is what i'm doing about it and um as i sort of progressed through the recovery part shared as much as i could to try and help others
0: yeah and it makes a lot of sense that you would feel more pressure to sort of say something, keep people updated to some extent given that it was in the middle of the season and i guess sort of your absence was maybe a bit more conspicuous in a way for for that rather than had this all happened off season it would have been easier to be quiet but behind the scenes what did you just feel like you needed to do in order to step back and get the reset that you needed i mean what what was the process of actually getting things back on track like for you and what did you need to do to sort of reboot whatever it was that hadn't been working and get things going back again.
1: So, initially I just did nothing. Like I really just um I don't really remember a whole lot. It's kind of just a bit rubbish. So, um I didn't put any pressure on myself to do anything or be anywhere or, you know, just sort of lived for a little bit, just being sort of a normal person and just gave myself some time to sort of get the stress out of the system. Um I started putting plans in place of like, okay, so if I'm building from the ground up, I need to, first of all, you know, um, figure out the, the plan physically. What am I going to do? How can I make the most of this time? Um, so like getting my body completely realigned by my friend uh, Joe Blades who's an osteopath. She lives in Norway. But she doesn't just sort out like physically your body as in all the movement patterns and things, but she also... has a more holistic um all-round um look over you so um we we're working on like nutrition and stuff and and my adrenal glands and um like how we can take anything that could be causing inflammation in my body and stuff and try and just help help the body along to rid itself of everything (laughs) and try to give it the nutrients um to get back on track and then physically just sort of gentle activity just trying to let the cortisol levels come down and go away spending time with family this is like the summertime so there were people around to see my friends and just sort of turn off from turn off the performance brain and just be normal for a little while and um, before starting to build back into a bit more structure but just doing things that I wanted when I wanted um, and giving myself that freedom I was also working closely with my mental performance coach and we were really working at everything um, and and <laughs> I still don't know what he did but we did a lot of work around like my purpose and and um, just changing a lot with my mindset and things as much as I could I mean a lot of this was built for over a few years so there was a bit of reorganizing to do so yeah it, you know it wasn't just like I just sat around for however many months like I was working hard to make sure I was going to come back better than I was before with better habits with better um better mindset and, and so this, this didn't happen again so it's like what what caused this how do we improve um, where are the weak points? And how do we stop this from happening again? Basically?
0: How long had you been working with a mental performance coach prior to this? Was it something that had sort of been part of your program as a racer and maybe more focused on the actual racing aspect of things before? Or when did that kind of become part of your routine, I guess?
1: so. I've had various different people over the years, but um, Alan Mulvey's, who's been I've been working with. Um, he actually emailed me after I put my videos um, for keeping up with Katie when I was a privateer again, and he offered his help. He was like, "I think you know, I can help you out." And so I was like, "All right, sweet." Mm-hmm. And so we've been working together so since twenty twenty one, and he's almost just like. It's like a, almost like a life coach because it's not just racing and performance. It's like how how do I turn up? How do I you know work with people? And how do how can I be the best version to to work together as, with a team? And then how do I turn up under stress? So when I I am stressed at a race or whatever because racing is stressful, how do I manage that and manage myself? And really just learning not just how to be a better racer and athlete but be a better person <laughs> and the, like the skills and everything he's uh, taught me have been completely invaluable on and off the bike so um yeah it's just unfortunate that everything was hitting the fan at the same time so we didn't really get to see what I was truly capable with his help because we were just getting a uh, many curveballs
0: <laughs> you mentioned earlier that very often racing really feels like a centering thing for you and something that makes you feel like yourself. And, you know, when things get dysregulated and that stopped being the case, when that stopped working, would imagine that it's very easy for you to feel like the thing to do is just to put your head down and kind of beat it against the wall a bit trying to make the thing that has worked in the past work again when, you know, the underlying conditions and circumstances have changed and you need to try something different rather than going back to that same well. And does that kind of sound right? And what was it that got you to make the mental shift to realize that no sort of just doubling down on racing and focusing on, on that wasn't going to get you where you needed to be?
1: Well, I tried that. Hammering it against the wall for the whole start of 2022, like I went full, full whack. You know, I'd just done 2021 and made it through on my own, and finally I had everything. Like I had the the team, the support, and this was like, right, let's do this. Like let's get back to where I can be. Like I'm gonna make this happen. Against, you know, it doesn't matter what's what gets in my way. I'm doing this. This is you know just full drive, and. Um, and then when things weren't quite working, I was like, well, it doesn't really matter because we're going to, you know, <laughs> we'll make it, we'll find a way. It doesn't matter. Just keep cracking on, keep cracking on. And I mean, that's part of how I ended up where I was because I wasn't listening to myself because I was just like, yeah, just shut up. We're, we're cracking on with this. and We're going to make this happen. And that's, it's like a blessing and a curse to have a, a drive like that. Um, and then it was when I'd done those first couple of ED, ED, EDR. It was EWS still then, I think. Um when I'd done those first two world rounds and I was like, Okay, it's we've we've really hammered this and it's not working and so we need now we need to change, you know. I've got I've got drive, but I've also got some sense, so like I'm like, Yeah, that's not working. We're still trying to get to where we want to go, but we're gonna have to do it a different because this has not given us the results we need in in all um Aspects of that word, like, I can't ride down this hill. I don't know how to race. I also have lost myself and now have no fight left to give because I'm just so done. <laughs> so, yeah, we need to try- <laughs> we need to do this a different way. <laughs> really run it into the ground.
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense that you'd just reach that point where you needed to hit a reset. And how much do you think the difficult 2021 season that you had where, you know, we talked about this last time you were on a couple years back now about just having, you know, you had to put together your own program and race as a privateer again, after years of being on factory teams. And that all came up somewhat last minute and was obviously a very difficult and stressful period of your career. And, how much do you think having had to take on all that extra work and stress and mental load that you did to make that 2021 season happen contributed to the feelings of burnout that you just kind of hit a wall with in 2022, as opposed to that being an extra speed bump on a road that you were maybe kind of already going down regardless?
1: Yeah. 2021 was really hard. It's like, I feel like it would have been a lot easier had COVID not been a thing, because you know I would have been able to travel quite easily and stuff. You can, you know, organizing travel and things isn't too difficult, but when countries are changing their rules every other day, it's really hard to manage all of that on top of everything else. I think 2021, I was fighting for my career, and that is really high stress. Um, and a lot of pressure but I felt like I'd been doing that for a few years already 2018 I smashed my head off the ground and continued to crash all season probably can cast most of that that season Um, before then having my final blows at the start of 2019 Um, and then rebuilding back so like things had been hard for a while you come into 2020 and I'd finally pulled it all together and I think that's that was a big a big blow for me was that I never got to show my form. You know, I, I was at one with that bike. I'd been on it for two years. I was finally back to strength. I had no more um, concussion symptoms, anything like that. I was I was really on one and I never got to show that form because by the end of the year, I was on a different bike and then I got dropped. And so then it was 2021. And it was just like, like, like constantly trying to prove that I was still one of the top dogs. And um, and then i came in because i had obviously taken on that mentality of trying to prove something just not not healthy and then coming into 2022 i was holding on to that and when things weren't going to plan then that was that was it so 2021 was really really a, f- a fast track down that bumpy <laughs> bumpy road <laughs> with not enough recovery i didn't take enough recovery i see that now but that was part of my learning because I know that when I have a mission I'm a dog with a bone and I'm off on that mission and everything goes into that until it is completed and that was at the detriment to myself and my my sanity and everything because I and and this is the big thing it's like this has affected me but it affected everybody around me and that was that was a real hit home too of like you need to prioritize yourself and look after you because unless you turn up happy and I'm alright, not just to racing, just in general life then you're you're being unfair to the people around you as well so it's there's been a lot of learning (laughs) these last couple of years.
0: What would you say have been some of the big lessons that you've taken away from that and how to maybe how to listen to yourself and identify when you need that time off or what's What do you feel like you've got a better handle on now that you didn't at that point?
1: Probably the biggest thing is with my mental coach, Alan, was changing my purpose and understanding that better and taking it away from like results and all of that. That's always always what you want, you know, you want to win. And that drove me since I, I mean, since I started racing when I was like 14, but you become an adult, you know, (laughs) that gets you so far, but then you got to change that so you can actually be a sustainable performer rather than um, just running yourself into the ground. So that was a huge shift and change to the point where it was like, I'm okay and I know that when I put down my best, that's mint. And it doesn't matter what the result is, because if I do my very best performance and I I want to do that, that's enough. Like the end, you know, it's not like oh, it's only good enough if you've won or if you've been on the podium, you know, because that's that's how you really end it for yourself. So that was a huge shift, which then really just filtered down into a lot of my life, because then I was able to go, OK, to be your best, you can't just fully focus on this one thing. There are a lot of pieces that go into getting the best out of you. So what do you need? And in that time that I had off, I was like, okay, you know, what what makes you feel good? What's important that makes you you as a human, not as an athlete, but just as a human? And how do we put that in place? So like doing my art and stuff is, is really important to me because it's, it's part of who I am that I just is probably the first thing to go when I'm I'm under the pump and I need to get stuff done but actually if I want to do everything well I need to keep that in and it comes back to this um it was Simon Sinek and he talks about sharpening the axe and I was just like oh my gosh I understand and it's these two lumberjacks and they cut wood all day but at one point during the day one of them goes away for an hour and comes back and still cuts the same amount of wood as the other guy and this other guy is just like what is this guy doing for this hour like (laughs) you go away for an hour do one hour less work than me but you still cut the same amount of wood and he's like I was sharpening my axe and I was just like oh I see right by doing these other things that aren't necessarily like, or don't seem like they're helping the cause. They are helping the cause because they allow you to do your job better. And so that is why they are an important priority. But I really need to have that figured out in my mind to allow myself to go and do these other things because then I, I was like, okay, this is, this is a sharpening your axe activity. Go do it, please.
0: <laughs> yeah, that very much resonates. And I think we were talking a bit off, Mike, before we started recording about, I think, well, I've had sort of some intermittent and kind of up and down challenges kind of with my own mental health over the last while and spurred in part by some, some stuff going on in personal life and whatnot. But one of the things that I've been having to navigate is that Mountain biking's been something that has been a big part of my life for twenty plus years now, and having and I, I folks who listen regularly probably know, like I it wasn't my job for a long time. I worked as an engineer and did a lot of other stuff, and then have made this change to reviewing bikes for a living. And well that's been great, one of the things that has taken a little bit of figuring out for me is that by kind of historically have had these like one more sort of section of my life where there's, you know, just personal life and then professional world and then mountain bikes. And I've kind of collapsed two of those down to one and have taking mountain biking from being something that was purely recreational to, turning it into work inevitably changes your relationship with it and in a way has made it at times at least less of an escape and a reset from everything else that's going on and then it once was and just getting that balance back in check and having my relationship with bikes and riding feel more sort of in keeping with what it has been and getting the things out of it that I sort of need to to really be myself and feel good and keep things on track has taken a little bit of figuring out and that's without the added pressure of having my job as it relates to mountain biking be results oriented you know i'm not racing professionally it doesn't really matter if i am riding at my the, the best of my ability or if i'm a little off and riding at 90 percent or whatever and i can only imagine that having the extra performance pressure on top of some of those same things is really especially difficult and um you know it's something that any professional athlete needs to reckon with in some fashion, but does that resonate at all or make any sense or relate to sort of your experience with how you've had to kind of figure out how to make, making a career of mountain biking work and not entirely mess up your relationship with it.
1: Yeah. I think for me, because I've got, freedom within my training like I it's always been part of that for like 10 years I've always made sure at least once a week there's just like a fun session that I can just do whatever I want to do in that so like you know if it's riding with a group of friends where I don't have to you know do a certain power or whatever it is you know I've not got an objective I can just go out and ride for the fun of riding and really reconnect with that you know that that's that's always been a massive priority to me because in order to ride fast, I need to have fun and be relaxed and be enjoying my bike. So um, I've always made sure that that's been part of part of my program. Um, but have you figured out how how you've done it? Because I know this is a thing for a lot of people.
0: Kind of, and. I definitely don't feel like I have all the answers exactly, but.
1: Oh, it's a work in progress, isn't it?
0: (laughs) It is. Always. I know. There's never really an endpoint to these kind of things, right? It's just. For me, it's sort of similar to what you were just describing of needing to make time and space to go just ride a bike for fun and sort of turn the analytical reviewer part of my brain off for a bit and just enjoy being out riding with friends and trying not to be super keyed into everything that the bike's doing and be you know that whole part of my relationship to mountain biking just switching that off for a little bit every once in a while and that's helped a lot kind of alongside that actually something that i've sort of hit upon is that it's also kind of important for me to just have my own personal bike or two that is just set up how I want it to be and that I can just get on and feel at home on because I'm, you know, reviewing bikes and therefore switching between them constantly. And something that comes up with that is that it can be hard to feel like I've got, you know, I'm just dialed and fully comfortable on a given bike, and it because you know in the way that you are striving to be. If you're trying to race on a bike, you need to get really familiar and comfortable with it. And I'm just juggling bikes incessantly, and setups changing, and you know have four different types of brakes in the rotation at a given time, and adjusting to that and so on and so forth um and for a long time i've kind of in part used my personal bikes as parts test beds you know if i'm reviewing a fork or whatever it is really helpful to have that go onto a bike where you're otherwise super dialed in and can kind of isolate that variable but at the same time not going full bore on that and still being able to have a bike around that i am not messing with that i just feel good on and can go ride that and not think about it is pretty important turns out
1: oh yeah man like now you're saying that i'm like yes a hundred percent like if you are not comfy on a bike biking sucks like <laughs> that's the bottom line it doesn't matter how good or not good you are on a bike if your bike is not working for you you don't feel good on it it is not a good time and i can only imagine you know you're going out on all these bikes all the time it's always slightly different you're always trying to figure it out you know i've Trying to say, it, like, I made that huge change from uh, Shram Rock shocks to Fox Shimano on a whole different, like, all those changes going to GT. It was, it was massive, like, absolutely huge. And now I've learned from it. I know how I would do it differently. So it was more incremental changes. So you got sort of got used to things one at a time, and then you could feel out the different ways in order to get it the way that, that I felt comfortable on. But oh man, you know that makes so much sense to have a bike at home that that you can go ride on that's your bike that makes sense to you and you you can just rely on it and then you, like you say you can just turn your brain off and actually enjoy a ride with your friends or or whatever you're doing because that's what it's about isn't it you know you just want to ride bikes because bikes are meant not be like oh this isn't quite right or i don't this is not a hundred percent maybe i need to adjust this or, da, 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 da. it's it's that's really hard work
0: yeah that's that's kind of right and i mean there's definitely also a skill set to getting i mean i've gotten way better at getting on a new unfamiliar bike and figuring it out and figuring out how to set it up more quickly and kind of making those adjustments you know from doing this for years but it's kind of hard and um you know and it's also especially just having done this so much and having kind of you know you describe going from sram rock shocks to fox germano for example you know i've obviously sort of got this familiarity with a big enough spectrum of stuff that it doesn't generally feel totally like starting from scratch exactly you know you throw like put on a A Zeb or a 38 or, you know, whatever the the parts change might be. And I've spent time on it before and I kind of have the pieces to put it all together in a way where it's not like totally out of left field. But even so, you know, it takes some figuring out and uh, that is definitely not always the easiest. So that's been been a big part of it for me.
1: It's good you've identified that, though, because then once you know, this is all this thing, you you know, just having an awareness and sort of noticing things. And then once you sort of go, hold on, that's actually a bit of a problem for me. You know, how can I how can I make this work better for me so that I can enjoy biking? You know, it's that's that's relevant across the board in all all aspects of life. So like being able to identify that and then put things in place, that's that's mint. Has it been working?
0: Yeah, it has. And I guess alongside that too, something that I've been doing more and more with review bikes and stuff is that like, for example, I figured out that one of the things that I am particularly fussy about with bikes is a uh, handlebar kind of shape, sweep and roll and just getting that feeling just so. And so I've been increasingly just saying, you know, get a new review bike in. I'll try it fully stock as it comes out of the box. But if it's got a bar with a shape that I don't like, I'm pretty quick to be like, okay, you know, personal preferences here doesn't really reflect on the bike, particularly that the the stock spec doesn't happen to nail what is just my personal subjective preference i'm just gonna put one that i'm you know put my my preferred option on and make things easier on myself and having just pile of parts around to do stuff like that bars being a big kind of major one for me has certainly made that easier and i think also just helps me do a better job of reviewing the bike at the end of the day because if i'm making little swaps like that to just get myself feeling good on the bike and put myself in the best position to actually be able to understand what it's doing and how it feels and communicate that to the reader that's really what the the goal is at the end of the day and um you know if i'm struggling on a bike and not feeling comfortable just because the bars got too much back sweep and my I don't feel quite right on it. That's ultimately not really evaluating the bike at its fullest and, um, fixing that kind of stuff just so that I can focus on the core bits of it is really helpful and both for doing a good job and just having myself feel good about it and feel comfortable on the bike generally
1: yeah i mean that makes so much sense because i mean a lot of people will likely change handlebars grips etc to their personal preference so that that's not that yeah that's not going to take away from the performance of the bike it's only going to give you the ability to do a better review because you can you're comfortable enough to ride the bike how you know you can and then you can be like okay now i can feel what's going on and now i can actually tell the people what's happening here
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And so that's all kind of stuff that just been working on and figuring out. And it's a journey takes takes doing. But I think, well, something else that we were talking about off mic before we started that I think you put really well is sort of saying that, to paraphrase what how you put it earlier, that everybody's got their own stuff going on and things that aren't the best that they could be in their lives. And there's just an important aspect of doing what you can to identify those things and work on them. And, um, you know, like, like we were saying before or off mic, I guess again, um, I've been going to therapy for a bit and it's been really helpful for me just to, do a better job of being reflective about how i'm feeling and what is impacting my mental state on a given day and just generally being much more cognizant of how i'm doing and what's going on in my head rather than just sort of trying to put my head down and shunt things off to the back and kind of power through things that might be affecting me negatively and um, not that like things of bike setup are exactly what I mean there but
1: (laughs) it's just one of the pieces of the puzzles
0: (laughs) yeah right it's like it's sort of the same mindset of just being really intentional about focusing and identifying and puzzling through what it is that you're feeling and how to improve it if it needs improving and that's really done a lot for me
1: awesome and it's it's meant because you know otherwise if you don't deal with the things or you know you're just living blindly through life, that stuff's going to start running your life. You know, you're going to start ending up in the same situations over and over again and be like, oh, why has this happened again? It's like, well, because you're not dealing with your stuff. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> but once you become that aware and go, hold on, things are not okay. I need to sort sort some things out. Like that's amazing because from that moment on, you can start noticing things and there are so many people that can help you figure that stuff out. And then you can just live a better life. Like there's so much stigma around all this, but it's actually really simple. (laughs) Like you're not having a good time. Things are really hard because life is hard, right? Life is really hard. But there are people that can help you, you know, even if it's as simple as talking to your mates and being like, hey man, I'm I'm not feeling so good. These things have been happening. And then they might have a bit of insight, you know, if you can't get yourself... um, like a counsellor or into therapy, it's not not for everybody, like cost money, all of that. But your friends can help you. And you know, this you know, once you start learning and becoming more aware, you can start finding answers and start making progress. And I think that's that's really what life is all about, isn't it? You know, we 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 start life and then it's just a big journey of learning stuff and continually just trying to be a little bit better and know a little bit more so we can help other people and live a, a life that we're happy with.
0: I think that's really well put. And well, I mean, on the subject to kind of kinda putting things back together and getting back on track, you came back for the 2023 season. And I guess just how did it feel to, to be back and how did it all go
1: well i was really really nervous because i'd had a good winter like i'd really nailed it i'd done work with the bike and worked with um, rich simpson one of the down home mechanics and i got the bike set up so well and i was so happy on it, it just felt great i'd done some good training you know i was riding in a way that I was happy with and I was like right okay well this is it like there's no excuses anymore (laughs) like um but we're just going to go out here and you know figure it out you know I'd missed a year of racing so you've got to find the pace again and and there's no better training than racing. So getting to that first one was a bit of a shock to the system. I'd actually been ill pretty much every single month. I think it was just like that freedom after COVID for the first winter. And there was just stuff going around all the time. So it was hard to get the consistency. And I felt that. But I was like, that's fine because we'll build that in. So the first first race, I can't even remember, came like 18th or something. But just had a blimmin' great time. And it was awesome. Medina, sick tracks. You know, it's good to be back with the team um, and yeah, it was like such a great fun race to start on. So then the next week was Derby and yeah, just pulled out a top 10. I was ninth. So that was awesome because I wasn't expecting a um, progression like that. And I was like, right, OK, sweet. Now I know what I need to do for the next couple of rounds and was in a, a really positive place. Didn't quite work out. We had a, quite a lot going on within the team. And stuff that was quite hard. I smacked my head again, but thankfully wasn't actually concussed. just got the care I needed to make sure my neck was fine and everything was able to come back do the block in Europe. Um, and then for the final couple of races, <laughs> I mean I'm talking about this, but it's not been plain sailing. like you know before loudenville we got told that things were changing with GT and you know it's like right okay, we're gonna have to start you know really looking for alternative options for want to keep racing and and so I did the first the last two rounds I was 10th and then maybe 16th or something by the last one um so yeah I was just really happy by the end of the season I felt like in Ludenville, I was actually racing and on a couple of stages I was like okay sweet this is it because this year for me was about okay we're back but we're building back you know this is the first year back and you know it's going to take know two or three years to be back at at my peak again because I've got more learning to do and more settling in within the team with the setup all of that stuff so um yeah it was it was good a good good step back but not where I knew I could actually be and (laughs) now I don't know if I'm gonna have another chance to do that so yeah but I'm happy I got back to that racing feel that I hadn't felt for a while and so that to me is, is a win.
0: It's definitely a win and yeah, not one to be taken lightly, but as you said there, uh, well, things for 2024 are looking somewhat uncertain. And how do you feel like the sort of trajectory of Enduro racing generally is going? And what do you think the 2024 season is going to look like? And kinda anything I mean, you know, as you said, you're looking to find a team and figure out what what next season's gonna look like. So how's that going? Anything you can share yet?
1: Um I think just from an athlete perspective, this is so gnarly. Like this is the gnarliest it's possibly ever been um in terms of like there just being no opportunities. So like like teams are are pulling out of the races for whatever reasons. I think the biggest thing is the industry's, crap in its pants and it's pulling back on everything, and that is, really tough. And um, because I think this is affect, it's affecting. They're pulling back on their teams and things, but they're also pulling back on employees and everything as well. So this is like a this is a major issue across the board, regardless of racing. And um, I think enduro is going through a lot of changes. And and these two things <laughs> combined are making it not look great at the moment. So, yeah, it's a really, really weird and worrying time because there's a lot of young riders coming through. The the level and the racing of Enduro is the highest it's ever been. It's the most exciting racing probably ever seen. Um, yet the future of it is really uncertain because if you've not got riders with support that level is going to drop or you're not going to have the depth of field that could potentially be there because the, the, everybody can't actually be supported in the same way so I am worried about it for me personally I'm trying to f- figure out what I'm going to do Um it's still definitely all up in the air but I mean it's what's gnarly is it's like this for everybody like, for so many, so many riders, it's, yeah, a, a big concern, really. But I'm hoping that it's, like, for a year or two, and then after that, things will start to improve. we just got to get through 24, and hopefully 25 will be slightly better, and then it'll build from there. The uh, worrying times.
0: Yeah, it is. And it's clearly a difficult time for the industry in general, kind of, all of the various factors from COVID between supply chain disruptions and the boom in bike sales that seems to have been somewhat temporary, at least, and a lot of people trying to figure out kind of how to navigate that roller coaster. And we're definitely feeling some ripple effects now. So it's going to be a very interesting couple of years here. And, uh, here's to hoping that it all goes as smoothly as we can hope for anyway. And, uh, time will just tell though. So yeah, we'll we'll just have to see, but, uh, Katie, this has been great. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and just, and also opening up and being able to share a lot of that because it's not always the easiest stuff to talk about, but it's important and just a good reminder that you know mental health is a big part of your health in general and something that really needs some care devoted to it so um, again been a lot of fun and appreciate you coming on
1: thanks for having me on and giving me the opportunity to talk about this and all the best
0: thank you you too yeah good luck with getting things sorted out for 24 and everything going forward, and uh, yeah, I'll be pulling for you.
1: Thanks so much.
0: Alright, that's it for this edition of Bikes and Big Ideas, and as always, we would really appreciate you leaving us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts. And, well, I always end these by saying take good care of yourself and everybody else, but that feels especially pointed this week, because this is an episode about mental health and it's just something that I think we don't necessarily talk about as well or as often as we can or should and Katie's been really brave and coming out and doing her part to change that so thanks again Katie this was cool and just to everyone out there I really mean this just be kind to yourself and everyone else and If you're not doing well, there's help out there. So, you know, I've been finding that for myself and hope you do all too. So thanks again for listening, everybody, and we'll be back next week.